I think that Susan's skepticism is written into the film script. At every turn, particularly in the first film, in The Line the Witch in the Wardrobe, you see her kind of resisting, allowing herself to commit fully to this other world. Welcome to Talking Beasts from NarniaWeb.com, where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis and keep a watchful eye on the latest Narnia movie news. This is Talking Beasts. Welcome back to Talking Beasts, the Narnia podcast on NarniaWeb.com. I'm your host, Brian Carnell, also known as Glumpuddle. It's been 15 years since the release of The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and the Wardrobe. And my guest today, joining us from London, is Anna Popowell, who, of course, played Queen Susan in the Chronicles of Narnia movies. All right. Now we really should go back. But what about Mr. Tumnus? If he was arrested just for being with a human, I don't think there's much we can do. You don't understand, do you? I'm the human. She must have found out he helped me. Maybe we could call the police. These are the police. Anna, welcome to Talking Beasts. Thank you for having me. It's nice to speak to you. Great to have you on the show. I've been uh, been really looking forward to reminiscing with you. It's so it's uh, kind of it's so amazing to speak to you actually because I remember Narnia Web. Like we were we were fully aware of Narnia Web when we were filming, mm-hmm. and we had to kind of resist the urge to look at the forum every time new stills were released or how <laughs> many of us did anything because you know we were young and we didn't we. I'm sure our parents wanted us to be incubated from whatever comments were on there, though I'm sure they were mostly very generous. But um, right. But yeah, it's funny to speak to you having read those Narnia web forums all that time ago. Good times, good times. Uh, you're actually the fourth Pevensey that I've interviewed. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course, I, I was supposed to talk to you on the Prince Caspian set in Usti. Oh, right. Um, but the shooting schedule changed at the last minute and ended up talking to Skander instead. Uh, so it's taken 12 years, but finally check that box. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Anna, it has been 15 years since the line The Witch and the Wardrobe movie was released. I know. It's so crazy and it makes me feel very old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, um, I was just thinking before we got on the phone that it's so nice to have a chance to unabashedly reminisce about the experience of making these movies because I feel like actually at the time when I was sort of going back to school and stuff in between the movies and after the movies, I was so focused on not talking about it and trying to fit in and trying to sort of almost to the extent of like pretending that it wasn't happening. I mean, just kind of totally compartmentalizing real life and then press or pre-production or anything like that. And so I feel like I skipped a lot of nostalgia or something. I just didn't really did actively tried not to talk about it too much, I guess. You know, I'm still in touch with lots of the cast and particularly the Pevensey kids when we see each other or get together the opportunity to like reminisce about it freely is such a joy because I feel like I didn't do very much of it um in the immediate aftermath right and you mentioned uh going to school which by the way Oxford is where C.S. Lewis taught for 29 years so I always yeah think- well and I went to Magdalen, so that was his that was his college right yeah, if only he'd known that one day Queen Susan herself would be walking these halls. What would he have thought? <laughs> um, uh, do, do you often get recognized as Queen Susan? Do you have any funny interactions with fans, especially kids, that you could talk about? Um, yes. I, I mean, I still do. I think it's still a, that, that people still 
enjoy watching the movies, particularly around Christmas time. I, I, they seem to be on. And um, it still, I think, confuses children. There's this sort of magical age where the fourth wall has not yet appeared with the screen. Right. And um, I had one particularly sweet encounter with a child. I mean, this is probably like five years ago, six years ago. And he was giving me this, there's a very specific look people give you when they've recognized you. And he, because he was a child, was just indulging in this full on look. And he probably was about four or five. And he told his mom that he had found Queen Susan and they came to see me and we had a very nice conversation. And then he was like, and now of course you'll come back to my house and we'll go through the wardrobe and that's next on the agenda. You know, <laughs> I was very sad to disappoint him really. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, a, it's such a beloved series around the world. And this year we're celebrating the book's 70th anniversary. Um, when you were auditioning for The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, were you aware of how popular the books were? And when you got the part, did you feel any pressure about playing a character that already existed in so many people's heads? Yeah, I had read the, I'd read the books as a child and had them read to me as a really young child, I think. So I knew them reasonably well. And I must have reread them while I was auditioning. That sounds like the sort of overly conscientious thing I would have done. And even before getting the role, I was nervous about the idea of, auditioning for a character of which there were many many conceptions and opinions and sort of satisfying all of the different criteria that people might have for Susan and the Pevensies and um, and then when I got the job yeah that was absolutely in my head but firstly if you make a big budget movie there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen mm -hmm. so even just within our filmmaking world people had very different opinions or um dreams about how Narnia would be and how the characters would be and then of course you're just so anxious that this story which means so much to so many people is conveyed in a way that satisfies them and I think the main concern that I had was actually thankfully less about me in particular and whether I would be what people had imagined for the character of Susan and more just whether the line the witch in the wardrobe in particular as a whole would be able to conjure and replicate the magic that I knew the book had for so many people but I fortunately that great responsibility rested with Andrew more than it did with me I would say right and then ultimately the movies never got past uh, book three of course but in the last battle um, Susan has the distinction, of course, of basically being the only human main character left alive at the end. Um, everyone else is killed in a railway accident. Um, and all we know about Susan is that she no longer believes in Narnia, but Lewis himself said that he thought there was still hope for her. Um, so while you were filming, did knowing that that's where the character was going, um, did that impact your performance at all? D did that knowledge of the choice that Susan was going to make someday, did that help shape your take on her at all? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, yes, is the short answer. Um, the, the, I think that Susan's scepticism is written into the film script. Um, Impossible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're not heroes, we're from Finchley. And it's, I think that, I, at every turn, particularly in the first film, in The Line of the Witch and the Wardrobe, you see her kind of resisting, allowing herself to commit fully to this other world. Although that scepticism is lesser at the start of Prince Caspian, by the time that she and Peter are leaving Narnia and Aslan tells them that it's the last time, I was very mindful that 
that would have been very hurtful or very sad for them and I I guess I yeah I had it in mind that that would have been one of the things that contributed to the imagined future life of her sort of discarding Nanya. Why do you think I didn't see Aslan? You believe me? Well, we got across the gorge. I don't know. Maybe you didn't really want to. You always knew we'd be coming back here, didn't you? I hope so. I finally just got used to the idea of being in England. But you have to be here, aren't you? Well, it lasts. So her having kind of that heartbreak of having to leave Narnia just as she was kind of starting to dare to get reattached, maybe actually, in your mind, may have contributed to her not believing in Narnia at some point. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's strictly canon, but that's certainly the way that I kind of saw that trajectory playing out. Uh Uh-huh. Well, that's really interesting. Um, Did you feel disappointed when the movies were cut short? Do you regret that you weren't able to play Susan and the Horse and His Boy? Um, I mean, I I would have loved to watch a whole, all seven of of this version of these movies, but Mm -hmm. I had never... You're not alone. (laughs) I had never expected to be... I don't think I was, it was on my radar that I would be even asked back to do The Horse and His Boy. They had cast an older Susan already. I knew that probably wasn't next up on the slate, even if they'd kept going. So I, I would have loved to watch them, but I wasn't, um, I wasn't expecting that, no. Now, looking to the future, uh, we know that Netflix is currently developing their own Narnia adaptations, and we're anticipating that they might be starting from scratch, perhaps doing another version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there are definitely some fans listening who are very uncomfortable with that, who feel like, no, Anna Popowell is Susan, Skander <laughs> Keynes is Edmund, so on and so forth. Um, how would you feel uh, about a totally new version of Narnia? And would it feel weird to see someone else play Susan? Well, I, I mean, first of all, I think it's really exciting that the books are going to be remade because I just think they're wonderful stories and a platform like Netflix has the creative wherewithal and budget to reimagine them extremely creatively. So I, I think it's mainly exciting, basically. Mm-hmm. I, Of course, it will be weird seeing someone else play a character that you love so much. Um, but maybe I'm just getting a taste of what, fans of the books initially had which is that I have a sort of perception of how it is and it's going to be different and that'll probably be mainly just as pleasing as it was for fans of the book who once these movies came out were like okay actually this is a reasonable interpretation of this right Uh, I asked Georgie a similar question several months ago and she said she She's like, she's worried she might be like uh, the crotchety old woman who's like, well, you know, when we did it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe Georgie and I can watch the new ones together and have a little um, grandma fest about it. <laughs> um, and then I have a couple questions submitted by our Patreon supporters. Uh, people can sign up by going to patreon.com slash NarniWeb. Jonathan Paravel asks, were you surprised to be asked to return for the Voyage of the Dawn Treader considering Susan does not appear in the book? I was surprised, actually. Yeah, I didn't, um, especially, I think, because um, I, I'm sure Will won't mind me saying this. I, both he and I had felt quite emotional about finishing the second movie and and then the press around that movie. And sort of, I feel like we sort of said a lot of goodbyes to the project, even though we kept in touch with people. Um, and neither of us were expecting to 
be involved in the third movie. And that was, I mean, it was lovely to go out and see them. It was quite late during their shoot. So they had already been underway for quite some time. And then that was, although wonderful, quite strange because we turned up and this whole kind of machine with lots of crew who'd been with us for a long time, but also new crew and new ideas and uh, Michael Apted and different, just a whole different kind of machinery was um, operating. So it was lovely, but it was also strange to sort of slot into something that we were no longer such a central part of, I think. Right, right. And then Cody has a related question. He pointed out that in Dawn Treader, you basically played Lucy in a dream scene. Excuse me, miss. Can I get a photo? Mother's going to love this. All her children in one picture. Smile. Hang on, where am I? I mean, where's Lucy? Lucy? Who's Lucy? Susan, what's wrong? Come on now, miss. Nice big smile. Edmund, I'm not sure about all this. I think we want to go back. Go back where? To Narnia. Uh, there's Narnia. What's going on? Stop this! What was that like, filming that scene? It was really, really weird, actually. Um, I think it, I had a fitting for that dress that both Georgie and I wear um, in that sequence um, as soon as I turned up. And so I was sort of saying hi to Georgie, who I hadn't seen in ages, and then we were wearing exactly the same outfit. <laughs> and then it was, yeah, I also, I suppose I felt slightly uncomfortable with that storyline in a way because I mean it, I think it works in the film really well but I it was a slightly weird thing to have not seen Georgie for so long and then to have this scene where I was playing her thinking about Susan and also that it was sort of suggesting something that was I felt not very true because Georgie's the gorgeousest and um <laughs> It was weird to me that that was a bit of a that that was like a storyline and how they were negotiating that and so yeah that was that was surreal actually that was weird. Oh, that's that's awesome. So many weird things you have to do filming movies. Yeah, that just don't make sense in the moment, but you hope it all comes together in the final edit. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, when we were when we were making these movies, CGI was much more in its infancy, and so so many weird things mm -hmm. that um, you know, kind of lots of people in green and balls on sticks and things that just became the norm. Very surreal situations. Wow. All right. Well, just last couple questions here. Um, so what do you think is next for you? Uh, have you ever considered writing or directing? Um, I am very tentatively trying to write something, but... Um, Could you read part of that now? I... I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah can you imagine <laughs> what if I said yes and then you were just stuck on the phone for half an hour okay let's go <laughs> no I, I there's no way I'm obviously <laughs> crippled with anxiety about it um uh so I'm trying to write yeah and then I'm um well I, I'm attached to a project that's been trying to shoot this year but it's difficult with uh restrictions basically so mm -hmm. we'll see if we get to that next year great uh well before you go I wanted to acknowledge that we're recording this near the end of a really difficult year for people around the world, and there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty about the future right now. And it occurred to me that acting is a profession with a lot of uncertainty. It's certainly, it's not a nine to five job, and you don't always know when the next gig is coming and what it might be like. 
So for people listening, I'm just curious, would you have any thoughts or advice for dealing with that kind of anxiety? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I think it has been an incredibly anxious year uh, for lots of people in lots of different ways. Um, and obviously the way that anxiety manifests itself is very personal and individual. And also in some cases sort of existential and in other cases mm-hmm. economic and extremely real and um, or health related. I mean, it's just been such a difficult year for for so many people I know. And so of the way that you cope with those various anxieties has to be personal too, I think. Mm-hmm. But something I found really helpful is just um, trying to find joy in small things this year, um, mm-hmm. which I know is easier said than done when you're facing losing your job or being furloughed or the poor health of a family member or friend. Um, but I have found that a very helpful policy where possible to just try and enjoy the butter on my piece of toast mm-hmm. or the front seat on the top deck of a bus or sunshine. Um, and actually I feel very grateful to have tried to do that a bit more this year. Cause I think for lots of people, their lives are so busy and so chaotic that it's very easy to sweat the small stuff and get stressed about things that don't matter at all. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about this year is to, to, it's okay to be anxious about the things that are anxiety inducing, but to not care about the queue at the supermarket if I have time to be in it and to try and appreciate the small things. Great. Wow. Thanks for that. Really appreciate it. Um, And thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been fun to reminisce. Oh, thank you for having me. Take care. That's it for this season of Talking Beast, the Narnia podcast from narniweb.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also want to check out my conversation with Georgie Henley, who played Lucy in the Narnia movies, linked in the description. Be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes, post a comment below, or in the Talking Beast Facebook group. Visit patreon.com slash narniweb to support this podcast and get exclusive content, including more episodes. You can also email us at podcast at narniweb.com or glumpuddle at narniweb.com. Special thanks to AJ Aiken, our assistant editor. Until next time, further up and further in. Mm-hmm.